Hello everyone, it's Sarah. I'm back to talk about Korean dramas. We are going to talk about Melting Me Softly, episode 2. I hope everyone's been doing good between the podcasts. Hello to new listeners and anyone who opted to come back and check out the dumpster fire that is this podcast. I'm just starting out, so if you have suggestions, I'm open to constructive criticism. I got updates from Anchor over the weekend, and it looks like the majority of the listeners are from the U.S., but also we had listeners from Turkey, Thailand, and even the Philippines, which is super exciting. Hello to y'all. Thanks for listening. I'm still watching Melting Me Softly, The Tale of Nokdu, Flower Crew, Joseon Matchmaking Agency, and uh, now I'm also watching Extraordinary You. All of those are so good. It was so hard to choose, so I just decided to watch them all. Goodbye productivity and reality. This weekend, I'm supposed to be going to see Super M in concert in Atlanta. So we're excited about that. I'm going to move into drama news. I scanned through updates really quickly and saw two interesting pieces of news that I thought would be interesting to share with y'all about upcoming entertainment. Korean drama news. Love with Flaws, starring Oh Yeon So and An Jae Hyun, should be premiering on 27 November after the Extraordinary You finale. I've seen An Jae Hyun in My Love from the Star, and I've seen Oh Yeon So in My Sassy Girl and Hwayugi, also called Korean Odyssey, but she has quite the performance record outside of those two dramas. This drama, Love with Flaws, is going to be pretty light based on the synopsis. A narcissistic man and a woman who dislikes superficial men comically interact and end up catching feelings. I'm looking forward to some lighthearted romantic comedy. The other piece of news that I want to share was I saw Park Bo Gum and Bae Soo Ji, a.k.a. Susie, in an article about the upcoming film Wonderland, which is set to start filming in early 2020. So that's going to be quite a wait. But the film is supposed to be based around a simulated universe where people can interact with loved ones who have previously been unreachable. The example in the article was Park Bo Gum's character, who's in a coma. That sounds like a really interesting movie. And I think the last Korean film I watched was A Werewolf Boy, so I'm overdue for a film. Alright, let's dig into episode 2 of Melting Me Softly. Just a refresh, we ended the last episode with the good cryogenic doctor's car being blown up and the assistant throwing the failsafe on Gomi Ran and Madong Chan's capsules to extend the freeze. Episode 2's title is Resurrection. The episode starts out with what appears to be a huge manhunt. And the PD assistant obviously lying to Ma Dong Chan's mom about not knowing where he is. The entertainment director is trying to cover up everything about the cryogenics project to save his own butt. And the PD assistant is freaking out. I want to take this opportunity to point out that the actor playing the young PD assistant is Lee Hong Ki. And I've seen him in a few dramas before. Hwayugi or Korean Odyssey. And My Girlfriend is a Nine-Tailed Fox. I really enjoy his acting style. He's usually pretty funny. Back to episode two, when the PD assistant says, that doesn't make sense, the department chief responds, 
This is a broadcasting station. Making things that don't make sense happen is our specialty. The department chief is pushing everything onto Ma Dong Chan's plate and clearing everything else up. The only issue at this point is the girlfriend. To address the girlfriend issue, the department chief decides to use Naha Young's mother being admitted to the hospital and the possibility of advancement as her weaknesses. In the following clip, we see her in a primary anchor position reporting on the fact that Ma Dong Chan is missing and watching clips of him as if nothing ever happened. So cold-blooded. We move to Go Miran's family quietly crying as the news comes on, and there's a flashback of her little brother getting bullied where she shows up and drops the hammer. Basically, she uh, starts laying the smack down and whips out the spray and tells the bullies that she's a contestant on the show Experimental Paradise, and she forgot to return some spray that will dissolve their hair. Following that, there's a touching scene where she gives her little brother Namte a piggyback ride home, and in the present... Namte is crying for his sister and thinking about the last time he saw her and blowing the whistle that she gave him. So it's a very touching segment there. The following scene shows us Naha Young having a flashback of meeting Ma Dong Chan for the first time. In her memory, he's super cool, touching, memory for her. The two of them have some pretty close moments and they're obviously feeling something for one another. When she finds him sleeping and almost wakes him up, but starts to leave, and he asks her what she's doing that evening, the relationship starts to bloom. Finally, we see Naha Young crying and showing some emotion while remembering. And from that scene, we move on to the cryogenic slab. There's a cop going through the empty space, saying that there's nothing there. He asks if someone by the doctor's name has been hospitalized. The camera pans underneath the floor, and we see the doctor with IV fluids running to him and all the cryogenic capsules underneath the lab. Ma Dong Chan's mother is grieving the loss of her son. We see flashback of his little brother wearing out the keys on a piano during Dad's 59th birthday party. The family is obviously quite well-to-do, and Mom and Dad are arguing about who Ma Dong Chan resembles the most. Just to interject quickly here, the actor playing the dad, if you didn't know, is Kim Wan Hai. Hai, I think. He's mega popular and with good reason. Very well known. I try to count up his works. 30 movies, 6 made-for-TV movies, 36 dramas, of which I've seen 10. I know he was pretty active on Korea Saturday Night Live as well. And we're back to episode 2. I'm out on Chan's little brother is getting deep, deep into the music, and the mom is trying to hook him up with a girl that's not the announcer because she says they don't match. He tells her that wealth has nothing to do with it, but if he's going to marry someone, it's going to be that girl, and the mom says he'll freeze to death. A little bit of foreshadowing for you there. Dad asks what he likes about the announcer, and Ma Dong Chan says that she's pure and not calculating. They put off the marriage talk until... After his important project he's working on is over, and little brother stands up after an epic performance and immediately passes out. Apparently, he has blood pressure issues, blood pressure drops when he's performing. 
that scene transitions into Miran and her family fishing and having a nighttime ramen picnic next to the Han River. This is another marked difference between the two families. Wealth. Despite those vast differences, there's a lot of similarity in the togetherness that the family shares. We flash forward to the present, and Gomiran's mom is feverishly praying in a temple. She prays to the point of passing out. And the mom and dad are shown opening a letter containing proof of life, pictures of their daughter frozen in a cryogenic capsule. They are told not to tell anyone, or it's going to be dangerous for Miran. I want to point out that between family night fishing and the temple and the letter opening, the scenes don't flow smoothly at all. It's a little disjointed, almost to the point that you get confused. So maybe better transitioning would be desired between those few things. The next scene following that is Miran's friends graduating and having a flashback of talking with Miran about where they're all going to be, what they're going to be doing after they graduate. And Miran's dream is mainly focused around her family. And both friends reflect on what a good person she was. At this point, the ex shows up in his military uniform. And it's obvious this dude is a freaking sociopath. <laughs> He's crying again and saying it's all his fault that Miran left Korea. The girls wonder if it's possible that she ran off with the PD from the show she was doing. It escalates to them wondering if she was pregnant because the mom was nervous when she was telling them that she left for America. As Byung Shim is overhearing the girls talking about Miran escaping with Dong Chan to the U.S., we see his visualization of the two escaping take place. Y'all, this scene absolutely gives me life. Ji Chang-wook in a cowboy hat, western-style clothing, minus the ripped jeans. That's not very western, y'all. And that mustache, I'm dead. Him talking about riding camels and raising cactus just finishes me off. This is obviously Byung Shim's visualization because this pompous dork mentions Freud once again. This might be my favorite scene in episode 2, minus Byung Shim crying. Does anyone recognize the actor playing the young Byung Shim? It's Sparrow. His actual name is Cha Sun Woo. He was a singer first in the group B1A4. I like his acting, I like his style, and the characters he usually plays are adorable. He's been in 10 dramas, counting this one, and of those, I've watched Level Up and Reply 1994, and of course, Melting Me Softly. The next scene is Ma Dong Chan's family handing out missing person flyers on the street. This is a little surreal, because in a previous scene, they were rolling in the dough. And in this scene, it looks like movers are taking stuff away from Dong Chan's family's house. The younger brother is freaking out about his piano. Uh, Gomi Ron's family is also moving house. We don't exactly get to find out why. And in the very next scene, we jump completely forward and everyone is much older. Nam Tae is writing journal entries for his sister and Dong Chan's family is handing out flyers. And it looks like we've got to the point where the police are putting the missing person case to bed, though. Alright, now we're up to the point where the entertainment chief is losing his mind. And he's berating who used to be the PD assistant, Hyunki. 
he's managed to shoot two really bad shows back to back. Naha Young seems to be doing pretty awesome for herself. We're getting updates on everyone who was originally involved at the beginning of episode one. When we get to what appears to be a medical lecture about cryogenics between Russia, South Korea, and the USA, we see the doctor's assistant sitting in the audience before he rushes out with an iPad or some handheld device in his hand. The good doctor is out of his bed and moving around the lab, and the assistant got a mobile alert. Okay, y'all. We know if somebody wakes up from a 20-year coma, he ain't going to jump up and start walking around doing scientific stuff. But for the sake of entertainment, let's go with it. The doctor's assistant gets pulled over for speeding. And out of all the capsules, Professor Huang opens up Ma Dong Chan and Go Miran. The live comments from other viewers and Vicky were killing me while I was watching this episode. Someone's talking about wild electric bills. <laughs> the doctor passes out and we see the assistant now stuck in traffic. Slowly, our two main characters wake up. Gomiran stumbles out first, then Ma Dong Chan wakes up. Dong Chan must have found his clothes from before starting the experiment because we see him next stumbling around the street before passing out. Gomiran wakes up on the floor of the lab, stumbles around, and then the scene jumps to the doctor's assistant running in. You see syringes out and two empty capsules. He finds a professor on the ground. Then the scene moves forward again, and we see them rushing Ma Dong Chan into the hospital in Gurney. They start taking his vitals, but when they get to his 31.5 degree temp and realize he's cold, it flashes again forward to Gomiran stumbling around another side street. She manages to get onto a bus, makes a note that the bus fare's gone up. She, it looks like she's sweating bullets. She's super warm. She looks around and starts to notice that things have changed. Then the scene jumps back to Ma Dong Chan trying to leave the hospital so he can finish shooting, but he passes out again. The scene is fairly comedic right here with the doctor and Ma Dong Chan, a back and forth lucidity, trying to communicate and get in touch with somebody who can be responsible. The hospital manages to connect to Sun Hyung Gi who is now the head of TBO Entertainment, that former PD assistant. Ma Dong Chan gets on the phone and is losing his mind on him as much as possible in the situation, and Hyun Ki realizes that it really is Ma Dong Chan. Dong Chan's family rushes in and sees that he's there and hasn't aged at all, but he doesn't seem to recognize them as their older selves. The younger brother comes closer, and the similarity between him and the dad is really strong. Once they realize that it is him, everyone starts falling out. Everyone faints. Dong Chan's mom, Dong Chan's brother, Dong Chan. Hyung Gi calls the general manager on the golf course to tell him that Dong Chan is alive, and the general manager just pelts off the golf course. When Miran gets home, her home is empty. She realizes that her family is left. Now remember that Dong Chan and Miran think that only 24 hours have passed. So she's trying to get her phone to work, stops at a phone shop, but the guys don't know what to do with that flip phone relic. She finally goes to the police station to try to find her family, telling them that her family disappeared overnight and maybe they couldn't pay the rent and got kicked out. She's not sure. 
When she shows them her ID, they see she was born in 1976, and everyone is amazed. She has them call and leaves a message on her mom's phone. And in the meantime, one of the policewomen asks her what kind of skincare products she uses. And then the scene moves to the next scene when the family shows up. Alright, when Gomiran's family shows up at the police station, the cops tell them that she's gone to meet with her friends. They all head to the university. We see the department head and general manager head into the hospital to see if it's really Dong Chan. Y'all, they must have 20 thermometers lined up checking his temperature. At what point do you say, okay, obviously it's not the thermometers. My Dong Chan wakes up again and asks his mom how she aged so much when he was only asleep one day. The person he thinks is his dad, who somehow got younger, is actually his brother. His sister's much older. He starts to realize that something's up. Go Miran is by herself, and it looks like she's legit about to die out here. A kid sits down beside her at the university, and she sees him using his smartphone, and he starts to talk on Bluetooth. That's when she looks up and sees the banner saying 2019, and realizes that she's been robbed of about 20 years at this point. Back in the hospital room, Dong Chan runs out into the lobby and sees another banner with year 2019. So they both realize how much they've lost, and then the episode comes to an end. In the preview, we see an upcoming reunion between Ma Dong Chan and Naha Young. Dong Chan's return to entertainment, and Go Miran showing up to lay the smackdown. Alright, in closing person I'd want to hug in this episode. Let's go with my Dong Chan's mom. She had a rough 20 years, y'all. I think she fainted like four times in this episode. Person I want to punch in the throat. It would have been Byung Shim again, but his antics were more comical than annoying. So let's go with TBO Entertainment Director turned General Manager who started all of this cover-up business in the first place. In closing, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please feel free to drop me a line. And until the next podcast, let's ride camels and race cactus and eat buffaloes.